Hello, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Program Showcase Action on Waste. In this series, we'll be meeting the founders and innovators behind six Australian businesses who, with the expertise, funding and incentives of the Entrepreneur's Program, are making big gains in the domain of waste management and recycling. This showcase series will focus on how the Entrepreneur's Program has helped these businesses grow, innovate and commercialise a clever idea or innovative product or service. Hello, I'm Alison Drower and this is the Entrepreneur's Program Showcase Action on Waste. Dan Hannigan is well-schooled on the need to find sustainable solutions to waste management. You see, Dan grew up around waste, tons and tons of waste, as part of his dad's business, a landfill and recycling facility for the construction and demolition industries around Cairns in North Queensland. When his father became ill, Dan stepped up, but he soon realised the business needed to evolve or else it too would be landfill, so to speak. Generation change has been a big part of Metalfield's story. The father of three is now focused on reusing and repurposing stuff that others throw out. And through the Entrepreneurs Program, Metalfield is also partnering with James Cook University to develop microwave heat technology to break down plastic waste. It's a place that Dan never really expected to be. Okay, let's let's talk about Metalfield and its origins because we were just touching on that a little bit. Now, it, this is very much a generational. It's almost a, a calling for you to yeah, be in this business. There's a legacy business. factor to it. Yeah, and and in what way? So my my grandfather, my mum's dad, as a young boy, he was he had a demolition business. So he'd go out and knock down buildings, and I spent my youth at the buyback shop. And go in there and they would have knocked down a building and there'd be windows and steel and mm. you name it, it was in there because people used to take those items from a building that was knocked down mm. and they'd reuse a new building. I mean, they were doing it in Roman times. Mm. And then, you know, I had that exposure. I grew up in the industry. I, I had a lot to do with it. I even worked in the business. And then I went off and studied. And when I came back years later, my grandfather had passed away and my dad had taken over the landfill business. So what basically happened is we had a demolition business. We needed a place to get rid of our waste. Yeah. They bought a landfill. And so we ended up as landfill owners as well. Mm. So I was living overseas. I got the phone call. My dad was sick. He had cancer. I came back to help out with the family. And in the interim, we had another company looking after the business. I was managing it. Mm. And when they didn't renew their contract, my dad said, listen, can you come out and help out for a few months? Mm. And we're going to sell the business. We've got a buyer. It's all sorted out. And you'll only be here a few months. I said, no worries, dad. I'll help you out. And that was uh, 10, well, 10 or so years ago. Wow. Wow. So your mantra really for Metalfield is nothing to landfill That's, if you can help it. Is, is that right? Yeah. That's the the big picture. There's a philosophy called zero burial. And the idea is, is that you use the waste hierarchy that we have in, in Australia. That's reduce, reuse, recycle. And if you, if you start off with that and go, okay, we're going to reduce much waste by making sure that as we purchase something, we make sure that it can come back out. And, and even little things like you could say, okay, we, we know we're going to use 10 kilos of rice. Mm. So rather than buying 500 grams of packets, you just buy one, mm. it's one package and you're reducing the amount of waste. And so the idea is that if you can reduce as much waste, and that's on the consumer side mostly. Mm. As a landfill operator, how I look at things is what can we actually prevent from ending up in the landfill to begin with? Mm. And the idea behind that is you reuse as much stuff as you can and then you recycle as much stuff as you can. And the next phase of that before it goes to landfill is how do we use that 
if it can't be re- reused or recycled mm. as something else, then the the answer that I believe is energy. Mm. How do you, how do you rate Australia's um, and Australians' attitude towards waste recycling, reusing? I think, as someone who's travelled quite extensively, I've seen the worst of the worst when it comes to waste. Yeah, worst of the world. Where yeah. you see rivers that are just blocked, mm. full of rubbish. Mm. In South America and Asia, it's you know they're clogged. And I always had it in my mind that Australia was this beautiful landscape where we didn't have the waste issues, we didn't have the pollution issues. And then what I realised is we're so rich in the resource of land that what we've pretty much done for a long, long time is just bury the waste. Now, there mm. is some exceptions. I mean, South Australia is a great exception. They've been really on the recycling bandwagon mm. for a good 40-plus years, and the rest of Australia is slowly catching up. You go to countries like Japan, and they'll have six bins out. And they're taking the lid off the bottle and goes in here and the label goes in there and then the bottle goes in there. And that's just part of their so culture. So are we just reluctant to change, do you feel? Does it take people like you to actually try and re-educate people about the importance of moving away from a landfill waste system? I think it's out of sight, out of mind as a big part. And I do remember as a kid, and I have three young sons, and they're all you know, very much let's save the animals, save the environment. Mm. And then something seems to shift. I actually had a conversation with a friend of mine who's a principal of a school and he was talking about this actual phase, and I forget what the technical term was, that teenagers go through where mm. they actually rebel against mm. the rules. Mm. And he said the environment's no different. You mm. know, it's, it's to be rebellious, you throw things away, you use a single use, you're, mm. you know, you're super cool. Care factor zero. Yeah. <laughs> And then you have kids of your own, which happened for me, and suddenly that care of legacy and, and longevity really shifted. Mm-hmm. It was always there, and then becoming a parent really compounded it. Mm. So I think that for the most part, peop- the, the majority of people probably have a level of consciousness mm. about doing something for the environment. I also think on the flip side that people actually do believe, up until recently with all the media, that we were doing something. And that's the the disconnection i feel like mm. most australians did believe that by putting into the rubbish bin mm. or the recycling bin oh, sorry mm. that something good was going to happen with that waste and now we see well we this- weren't doing anything we we're sending it to asia and when they stopped taking it it all backfired mm. Mm. big wake-up call wasn't yes. it that decision there i guess the other thing is um how important is it that we innovate well innovation's everything it's everything, but do you think you know we we need to do more innovation? We need we need to support more more companies that are doing like what you're doing and finding alternate solutions to lead change in other parts of the world as well. I 100 percent agree. Yeah, I think looking at the technology that's available overseas, a lot of that technology works really well because we have a high density of population in a certain area, and if we looked at countries that are really great, like the Scandinavian countries. Uh, Germany, Japan, logistically, they've got a strong population in a small area. And what that means is, is that you can actually put, put product into, the, into circulation mm. and then you can take it back out without having massive logistic, mm. uh, log- logistical issues. Mm. Australia, being so big in a spread out population, we need to innovate because we need a smaller scale technology and ability so that we can send you know, products to cans or even more remote and then have some capacity to either recycle it and reuse it at that place mm. or get it back out. 
And that same philosophy is going to work in developing nations because they don't have the logistical chain once something gets there to get it back out. So, Mm. yes, it will definitely work in Australia. And then you can transfer it across to developing nations where they don't have the capacity. Like they're getting all the food and the materialistic items in and, you know, computers and all this kind of stuff are landing there. And once they break, what do they do with it? Mm -hmm. So we have to have an ability to, to process that waste when it happens at the site, otherwise it's just going to end up in a, in a hole. Support and services offered under the Australian Government's Entrepreneur Program are free of charge for eligible individuals and businesses. To start with, the only investment is your time. To find out more, go to business.gov.au forward slash EP. So at what point in Metalfield's journey did you decide or did you meet up or, or, or have some understanding of what Professor Jacob was doing at James Cook University? Who was the matchmaker there? <laughs> so, so I've been on the waste to energy and thermal processing of waste journey myself for about nine years. And I thought I was into small scale because I was looking at one tonne an hour size. Mm. So in the big cities, they could do you know one tonne every couple of minutes. And we we're looking at one tonne an hour. <sighs> And then we started, you know, thinking how could we get even smaller? And there was a connection I'd made who said, listen, there's a professor down in Townsville and he's working on a system that is even smaller. It's tiny. They're looking at like one tonne a day. Mm. And I thought, well, that's interesting because if we could process one tonne a day, that's going to actually work in regional centres and Mm. small communities and all these kind of places where you're having all this other residual waste build up And, you know, sometimes it's like medical waste Mm. or quarantine waste and it needs to be destroyed Mm. and they're burning it. I thought, how how much longer are we going to continue this practice when we could do something better with it? Mm. So the connection was made and I'd worked with this person on trying to get some information previously on another project Mm. and they did the introduction and then, you know, we got got set up with uh, Mario and the team and that was that. Terrific. And Mario, how important is the relationship with Mario in achieving what you need to achieve with JCU as well? You know what? Anything less than vital would be an understatement. Like it's – it wouldn't have happened without him. So what what is it – what does he bring in his expertise? What what is it about his style that I guess works with you? Because you've got to connect with him as well. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, the style that he brings was he could talk with the university – and he could talk to the professors and, and the departments of who, who was involved and speak to them in language they understood and then come and sit down with me or on the phone to me and say, hey, this is, this is how it actually works. Mm. Because sometimes, you know, different industries get caught up in their own language and understanding of what goes on. Mm. And, and that's the whole premise of the project, as I understand it, is to get intellectual property mm. with actual practical property and then mix them together and make something great happen. Mm. And there was so many grey areas that I just didn't didn't understand. It wasn't my area, and I was like, oh, I don't, I've never done anything like this before. Mm. I don't know how to do it. Mm. And he, he basically walked me through the steps mm. and made sure that I understood what I was um, going to get as an outcome mm. and how the process would work mm. and making sure that I felt comfortable in, in how the relationship was and what could come of it, rather than just going, hey, you know, fill out this paperwork, you're going to get a grant, and Bob's your uncle. Yeah. Yeah. Did you find the process fairly easy, fairly 
user-friendly? <laughs> so it took, I think it took a year and a half mm. um, from memory, and people were surprised it happened so quickly. And being from the private sector, I, was, I thought it was dragging on. You know, and mm. there was back and forth to and froming and stuff like mm. that and trying to figure out how it all worked. I'd fly down to Townsville, I had a look at the facility, mm. making sure that there was some capacity there to commercialise it afterwards. Mm. And so going through the back and forth questions. Mm. And, um, yeah, people were really surprised we, we got to an agreement point within that time frame and signed it off. So, so what exactly is Professor Jacob doing in really simplistic terms what, what are you both trying to achieve here? Specifically the technology or the outcome? The outcome. The outcome is that waste, particularly waste that's uh, like a clinical waste mm. or a hazardous waste or a quarantine waste that would have got burnt up before, mm. we, can, we can process that waste without having to send it to a centralised location. So you could do it at a hospital or at a port or airport or in a remote medical centre. And ultimately an outcome would be to commercialise that. Most definitely. Because you think of all these places that are producing this waste, they have to put it in a truck and send it somewhere and that's an all energy cost. We're paying, you know, mm. there's a carbon footprint for that truck to run up and down the coast, wherever it might be. There's also the carbon mm. footprint of, of burning that material and the emissions from that. And with this process, we don't get those emissions mm. and we don't have the logistic chain and it can be done on site. So there's no need to wait for a bin collection or have any problems with that. They just pop their waste in there mm. and as a return, they'll get energy. Mm. So it's a bit of a no-brainer to me. Can I talk a little bit about what else you're doing here? <laughs> <laughs> and, and specifically um, your Greenheart Australia charity, you've, you've established that. Just what, what's your vision for, for that charity and making it a not-for-profit? Yeah, so we had a buyback shop for years here at the landfill and that was basically because we had a demolition yard, as I said at the beginning, mm. and they had a buyback shop and there was just so much value in items that could be resold. And there's a lot of other secondhand stores around the place, but they sell things at prices that are really unaffordable. So the idea was is to get items that would have been thrown out, mm. resell them at an affordable price so people would come in. And even to the, to, the, to the level that someone might buy something just to take it apart to see what was inside it. You know, a dad or mum could sit down with their kids and they could disassemble it and go, this is a capacitor, this is a resistor, this is, you know, this is how a toaster works, this is how whatever. And you don't want to go buying something new and pulling it apart. Mm. And, you know, we get kids who'd come in and we'd have, you know, computers. People would donate computers and they'd take it home and build another computer out of it. Wow. You know, yeah. it's just yeah. because they can, it's so accessible. Mm. And mm. I think for me, obviously environmentally, we wanted to make sure stuff wasn't getting thrown out that could have been resold. Mm. Another aspect that's important to me is community engagement, is having having a place where people could go and they could have a chat to someone, they could get stuff, something that's affordable, whether it be, you know, some timber to do a little build. It mm. doesn't really matter, you know, they have that. And so because of that, we were thinking about how do we take this further and that's why Greenheart was created. The idea is that, one, we do all the environmental stuff, mm. but we also are going to have events that involve the community so that mm. we have it on a large scale and get you know, groups like Men's Shed involved mm. and we'll get there to come and teach you know, young people some old skills mm. because, sadly, in this modern world with all the additional changes that have caused all the waste, we've mm. also forgot how to build things ourselves mm. 
and fix things ourselves. And they actually tie in because instead of actually fixing things, we throw them away and buy a new one. Mm. And, you know, that and a lot of other skills have kind of gone out the window. Mm. So the idea is like maybe we do a workshop for bicycles mm. and, you know, how to, how to maintain your own bicycle. And you could even build a part. The amount of bicycle scraps that are around the place, we just get them all in and people mm. can build their own bicycles. Mm. At the end of the day, it's community engagement, having knowledge shared, doing something that actually benefits the community and creates a level of a contribution and connection so that everyone feels like they're part of something, and then environmental. You don't have to do it alone. Working with an experienced business advisor or expert can help you solve business problems, connect you to funding, and grow your industry networks. Need an answer straight away? We're available from 8am to 8pm, Monday to Friday. So call 132846. You've really sort of set yourself up as a bit of a waste conversion warrior of <laughs> North Queensland. Do you see yourself sort of having, having that responsibility at all? I, I definitely take on the responsibility. That's why, you know, I'm... Uh, Vice President of the Committee for Waste Reduction. I was actually one of the founding members of that. Uh, I also attend as many different events that are going on around the place that have to do with waste. And I think once once you have an awareness of something and it kind of causes that itch that you can't resist to scratch, you need to do something about it. And I, I couldn't knowingly look away from what I'd now seen that was not happening within the waste industry mm. and had to go out there and actually try to do something that was going to make a difference. Even if that's just awareness and a lot of these projects, a lot of things I work on may not ever go anywhere. They might just kind of go through the path. Who knows where they'll end up. Mm. The thing is, is that the more people discuss it, the more people have awareness of what is actually happening rather than the story they think is happening. Mm. Like we're seeing now with the plastic bags you know, hopefully it all makes a difference, you know. And I guess for for you, it is a business still. You yes. are very much an entrepreneur. You're a business as well. So how difficult is it to have that social conscience and then also have that, that need to commercialise something It's it, it, without compromising your own um, principles? This is a great <laughs> question. Um, my wife and I have had this conversation a few times because... <laughs> I think I could have and been... And she's right. She's, well, she's right, but, and I'll tell you why. Yeah. I've said many times, we, we mm. could have been quite wealthy if I hadn't I've invested so much time and energy into the renewable side of things, sustainability. And if we had have just gone, okay, let's just cash the check and just throw things in the landfill, not try to do anything, you know, we could have, we could mm. have done quite well. Mm. And she said, yeah, but you wouldn't be you. Mm. And that's... That's it's a great thing to have a wife that's so supportive, mm. and the truth is, is that yeah, you could have money, but if you, I would always feel bad that I hadn't mm. done something along that path mm. that made a difference. So, when people hear of Metalfield, what 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 do you want them to think about first and foremost? I would love I would love people to to know all the things that we're doing that aren't seen. That all the things that we do to actually try to make a difference for the community, mm. all the things that we're doing, working with, whether it be the government or other companies around mm. town. And, you know, I, I'm not one to kind of 
promote any of that stuff. I never really have. Everyone knows about the buyback shop who's kind of in the industry. But I've, you know, I've, I've invested a lot of my own time and money to traveling overseas, looking at technology. Mm. The last eight or nine years, I've done you know, multiple international trips, looking at technology at all different places in the world, trying to figure out what the best combination, what could work out of currently what's mm. here. Mm. And it's been amazing. It really has been an incredible journey. And the thing is, is that if if you go back to that question of awareness, people just aren't aware of the problem that we're facing. Mm. You know, it's it's so so far out of our normal living life in Australia. When we're mm. sitting here, especially in Cairns, you've got these beautiful, clean blue skies. You have rivers that are, you know, Barren River's a bit silty. They could do better <laughs> with that one. But, um, mm. you know, Mulgrave River, stunningly clean river. You know, a lot of the rivers around here, they're, they're, they're crystal clear. And, you know, and it's the, a city that prides itself on its environmental yes. yeah, yeah, awareness. Yeah, and the council so, yeah. have really stepped yeah. up here. They're yeah. really, really pushing this mm. agenda, which I love. You know, I, I, was, I take my kids swimming up the road here at, at Stoney's and they're all playing around the water and they don't realise that the majority of places around the world, you wouldn't swim in the creek. Mm. Mm. You know, it's either polluted from a mine or polluted from industry or polluted from just the people that live there and everything that flows into it. You can't swim in the water without risking an infection or mm. you know, something going wrong. Mm. So anyway, to answer your question about Metalfield, I think I've poured my heart and soul into trying to make a difference within the waste industry. And for most people, they just see a landfill, mm. which is the hard part because – when you see rubbish in a pile of rubbish, you just think, oh, it's... So it's changing a national mind shift to a certain degree yeah. on how we approach our own management of our own waste. Yeah. Yeah. It's a funny thing. You see a pile of rubbish and you're like, oh, that's a mess. Yeah. Yeah, well, you, the consumers, are the ones who cause it. Yeah. Do you often think what your granddad and your dad might have thought about where you've come to in, in your yeah, quest to do... Pretty much every do... day. Yeah. Yeah, my grandfather was a cane farmer and a very old school kind of guy. And he he didn't have a um, he, he wasn't anywhere near as green as I am. Let's say that. Mm. But he did know the value of recycling because he grew up very poor and in places where you had to make sure that you reuse something over and over and over again. Mm. And that was just how he was. It wasn't he was trying to be environmentally sound. Mm. He just didn't like waste. Mm. And it's taken three generations when you think of your own sons and the way they're thinking these days to make that change over over the years. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny hearing my boys. I must talk about this stuff a lot because we'll be walking to school and my my eldest will be picking up rubbish and he's going, that's going to end up in the reef. (laughs) (laughs) Who would drop this? That's disgusting. Oh, you're doing a good job. That's awesome. That's awesome. Look, it's been so good talking with you and um, congratulations on a on a, on a terrific involvement with the Entrepreneurs Program. Um, if you could just advise, give some simple advice to any small to medium business about trying to get on board in some shape or form with the Entrepreneurs Program, what would it be? Get in contact, firstly, and hopefully you end up with a, someone who facilitates as well as our facilitator, Mario, who was incredible. I think uh, the people I've met within the Connect um, group mm-hmm. have been outstanding everyone's really looking out there to to make a difference and it's not it's not one of those kind of conversational feel-good things it's actually people that are really trying to get to the next level in their business and see that there's an opportunity and it wasn't it wasn't anywhere near as um 
daunting. daunting. <laughs> as it appeared. Yeah. Jump at the very in, beginning. have a go. Yeah, yeah. jump in, have a go. It, I mean, at the very, very beginning, it was like, oh, this is a bit, bit full on. But eventually, you just you realise you're just going through the motions and it's one step at a time. Well, congratulations and we look forward to seeing what Metal Field can bring for the future uh, in reducing our waste here in Australia. Wonderful, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Entrepreneurs Program, Showcase Action on Waste. You can find out more about the Entrepreneurs Program and what it can offer to grow, innovate and commercialise your business by checking out business.gov.au forward slash EP. Make sure to listen in to our entire podcast series for more great business tips.